Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Sunday, August 12th, 2018, and this is Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of your Boston Celtics. Episode 275, featuring Celtics blog Alex Kungu, is brought to you by Nutrafol. Get the first month of your subscription for $10 today by going to Nutrafol.com and using the promo code CELTICS. At checkout, that's N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com, promo code Celtics at checkout. Welcome inside another edition of Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media. Evan Valenti filling in for Adam Kaufman on vacation this week. We'll be back next week. So don't worry, Adam will be back. But make sure you subscribe in the meantime to Celtics Speed on iTunes and on Stitcher. Make sure you give us a review. Constructive criticism is always welcome. We love that stuff. Make sure you get at us. Uh, you can also follow Adam on Twitter, at Adam M. Kaufman. Myself is my namesake, Evan Valenti, E-V-A-N-V-A-L-E-N-T-I. And make sure you subscribe to CLNS Media on YouTube, okay? Now, with that being said, I want to welcome in this week's guest, uh, he is one of my favorite dudes to read on Celtics blog. He is one of everybody's favorite Twitter trolls sometimes. Uh, he gets everybody jacked up. Alex Kungu from uh, Celtics blog. Alex, I got to be honest with you, I got to start here. Who has had a more well-traveled summer, you or Jalen Brown? Uh, that's a tough one, but I'm going to have to go Jalen because he, he, me and him are in a little bit of different tax brackets, so I think he was living his life a little bit more enjoyable than I was, especially in Paris. So I, I, I'll give it to Jalen, but it's close. It's definitely close. Where'd you go? Um, I went on a European cruise that took me from Barcelona to France to Italy, and then um, there was one more country. Oh, France, on. France, Italy, Spain. There you go. But I started with Barcelona. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. And I stayed a couple days in Barcelona. I stayed a couple days in Paris. Um, very, very great time. One of the few times I've been out of the country, so I, re- I really enjoyed it. Give me your favorite spot out of you know Barcelona, Paris, all the places you went. Uh, Barcelona. There was this beach that um, apparently a lot of like the NBA players go to. Like if you see, like I think Boogie was just there. Uh, this summer, James Harden has been there. It's like this little beach where it's like you can like rent bikes and you just like travel. Like oh, you can just ride all around. It's like miles long, and there's like um, there's a bunch of like people like selling like fake stuff, like um, jerseys and all that. Um, there's a bunch of restaurants. You get some really good paella and tapas. 
Um, very good ocean view. There's aquariums. It's it's a really fun place, but I like Barcelona a lot. Yeah, everybody I talked to about Barcelona is obsessed with Barcelona and never wants to leave Barcelona. Ever. It's a, it's an amazing place. Just it's a very good vibe. Yeah, my my uh, my brother and I might be planning a trip uh, this upcoming year, 2019, where Spain's on the list. Neither of us have been to Spain. My brother's girlfriend speaks Spanish, so we'll get around a little bit. Um, but I might be coming to you for some tips on that stuff just because, you know, it's always, you know, I always talk to some people from out of the country and, and like a buddy of mine's from Ireland. Uh, and so he, we, he came to my hometown. We showed him a good time. Like we took him around to all, not the touristy spots, all the spots you'd want to go to, even yep. if you were a tourist. Like, I'm like, I need that type of experience where, you know, not trip advisor, not anything like that. I need like the full authentic experience. So I might be coming your way soon, Kungu, for some advice on that stuff. Oh, I'm um, all for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking of Jalen, though, I want to keep this somewhat Celtic-centric. Speaking of Jalen, like, I cannot wait to see what he does year three. Like, I am – after the leap he took year one to year two where he went from, like, what, five points a game to 14 and was that the second leading uh, scorer on the team in the playoffs. Like, I just – I'm really jacked up to see what he does in year three. Might, I might be actually – the most excited about it. everybody on the team might be most excited about Jalen Brown watching him next year. And that's kind of hard for me to say because, you know, you're going to have Kyrie in year two, right, under Brad Stevens. That's going to be a lot of fun. Hayward for longer than five minutes, hopefully, knock on wood, right? Tatum in year two is, is fascinating. For you, Alex, who, what player are you most excited to watch next year, 2018, 2019? Uh, so I think the most excited – player and this is it's gonna sound like it's um off the beaten path i'm trying to do something different but it's really how i feel i'm really interested to watch brad wanamaker um <laughs> well, he's come so, on man come I mean, on bro. like i'm telling you like i think because like i watched a lot of him when the celtics officially signed him in uh this summer sometime and i watched a lot of the Fenerbahce tape and i saw just like a lot of good things about from him just his size he's almost like basically the same size as smart he defends like a bulldog, like probably three to four positions in the NBA. He can shoot. He can create out of the pick and roll. Um, he's a guy who had to, you know, learn learn the game overseas, and now he's back. And I just really want to see how he looks in all of this. And the way, uh, just the way they're talking about like like the regular season, guys are probably going to be being rested throughout the year and stuff like that. He's going to get a lot of opportunity, and I'm just really interested to kind of like see how he is because he just looks like someone that could be like a surprise that a lot of us don't really realize kind of like how Daniel Tice was last year. There we go. Uh, I I think, um, look, Wanamaker I'm excited about. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I think he's an improvement over Shane Larkin. No question. He's a bigger body. I remember him on pit and those Jamie Dixon teams were, you know, were, they weren't the most talented teams in the big East, but they won a lot of games because they played really hard they defended the crap out of the ball. Uh, they were smart teams in terms of ball movement, but they were really good defensively, which fits a lot of the molds of what Brad Stevens looks for and what Danny looks for when they bring guys in to this type of culture. Do you have already some of the things that they already want? I mean, he does have a lot of those things. He's a great three-point shooter um, from what I saw of the limited stuff that I saw of him overseas. But, I mean, I, I sort of get that. But, I mean, between Jalen – I mean, I, I am fascinated to see what Kyrie looks like it, it, another year comfortable in Stevens' system. We saw what happened with Isaiah Thomas going from, you know, his first year, his, the first half year, then the first year, then the, that last year where he was literally, on you know, a top five MVP candidate. I wonder if, if Kyrie uh, has that same sort of jump in him now that he's got a little bit more comfortable in Brad's system. And that, to me, 
could really make or break the, the ceiling of this team. I know Tatum is unbelievable, and we're all ready to see what he looks like. I know uh, Jalen's, you know, for me, really exciting, and Gordon getting him back. Hopefully, he looks great. But like Kyrie, kind of does a couple of things that nobody else on the seas can do. And if he can kind of open up, because that was the one thing you pointed this out, I think, last year. You're like, you guys that are criticizing Kyrie, they doesn't have that kickout pass. He does have it. He just doesn't use it that often. And we saw a lot of him move the, moving the ball last year. Like, I think if he's even a little bit more committed to ball movement, because this team has a lot more playmakers, a lot more shooters on it, uh, that to help him out, I think the ceiling offensively for this team is, like, through the roof, Alex. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think you raised a really good point, Kyrie, because to me, I've called him like our ceiling raiser, kind of like the way stuff is for Golden State, where maybe you don't necessarily need him to win like your 50 games in the regular season. But when it comes down to the playoff time, it comes down to the game seven, to the road games that where you can put the series away. It's really great to have a guy like him who's able to take the game to the next level offensively. So now he's starting to enter into like the real years of his prime between like 26 to 32. And this is a time where you should see kind of like him kind of like master his specific craft to like the best of his abilities. And now he's going to be put in a perfect situation to do that. Cause not only, um, like you said, we have like Jalen and uh, Jason. Now you have a guy like Gordon Hayward who can also kind of be like a secondary play. Uh, what's it called playmaker. Al Horford can be a secondary playmaker. Ram. So now he kind of has like more like freedom in the offense and not necessarily just like, feel like he has to be the one to get everyone involved or he has to be the one to score and I think a lot of times last year what you saw is that like he had to really like it took him a while to like balance that like okay it's all on me to help people score now now it's all on me to be the scorer now and I think of Gordon and some of those other young guys taking leaps he doesn't have to be like that anymore. he doesn't have to think the game in those type of terms he can just kind of go out be in the system be as aggressive as he wants and I'm really excited to see like what he could do fully healthy what I like already, too, is some of the, the talk you've heard from, you know, you don't hear a lot of from guys from the offseason, which is great. They need to get away from the game. But what really makes me excited is it seems like that same excitement that happened last year where, and, and everybody's talked about it, how this Celtics team last year came into training camp and had an outrageously good training camp. And when they came into the preseason, you know, I know you can't take a lot from watching preseason basketball. But when I, I mean, I went to that first game at the Mullen Center at UMass, and you saw the five on the floor for the first time, and it was like, wow, these guys, these guys are already really good. And then they, as they progressed through the preseason, you saw them get. I mean, they blew out Charlotte, and I remember looking at it and be like, I think this team's already really, really excellent. Um, it seems like that general overall excitement is back again. Like I feel like you've heard from certain guys. I think Baines came out and said it first that guys are already inching to get back into the gym. And I love how you're seeing, you know, like the the clip that dropped Saturday of Terry Rozier going at John Wall one-on-one. Like there's guys working on their game all the time. And when it comes down to that kind of aspect, like that's something that the Celtics have in every aspect of their locker room, whether it's Kyrie, whether it's Hayward, you know, working out with Drew Hamlin, or whether it's, you know, Terry Rozier hanging out, or you have, I mean, literally every single player on the team you've seen in some sort of capacity put some sort of video out there that's them working on their game, and I love seeing that stuff. Everyone except for Al Horford, but, you know, we're not going to say nothing on Big Al because, we, like, we know he's working. Well, but yeah, I- <laughs> yeah. And But the thing is, you wrote – see, I want to get to this. I was kind of saving it, but since you kind of brought us here, I'll, let's go to it. You wrote an article about Al Horford this week that got a lot of attention and maybe a lot of negative attention. I don't know. Did you get a lot of flack for that in your in your DMs and your mentions? Oh, yeah. I mean, the Rain and Jays crew came at me with full force. Um, every fan came at me. The comment sections were – 
were off the roof. It was maybe some of the most backlash I've ever received from any story that I've ever written. It was definitely a new experience for so, sure. So take us, walk us through, because I actually like this. I like where your head's at. I'm going to be one of the few guys that's like, you know what, guys, he's got a point. Uh, walk us through this. Walk us through Al Horford potentially coming off the bench here for Brad Stevens. That was the title of the article, but it wasn't really all about that. But lead us through this. Okay, so my the, the initial thing started off a conversation that I've been going on with um, Ryan Bernadoni, aka Dangerkart, where he made this he made this comment that maybe the easiest thing for the Celtics to be is Al Horford to come off the bench, and that was during the year last year, and I was thinking about it, I was like. Eh. I don't know about that. That sounds crazy. But then now we kind of progress to the summer and you start thinking about all these lineups and you're like, okay, so we all kind of agree Kyrie, Jalen, Tatum, um, Hayward, and Horford are the starters. We all were okay with that. That's the lineup we all want to see. That's the lineup we all want. And for the most part, I think those should be our everyday starters. But during the regular season, you know, during the grind, there's going to be matchups against the Joel Embiid's, DeAndre Drummond's, the Rudy Gobert's, the Marcus Alls, so on and so forth. Basically, like like the like the featured bigs, right? And during those times, it's like, do you want Al Horford to play the five in those matchups in the regular season? Do you want him to start banging with these guys now, when we've already heard from like last year, one of their biggest things is preserving him so that he can actually do that in the playoffs. So obviously you're not going to make him um, the full-time sixth man because of that, which is something that I think a lot of people lost. They thought I was saying that he want, he should be the full-time sixth man. What I was actually saying was, wouldn't it be interesting if maybe for those specific matchups, only in the regular season, maybe you bring maybe you start Baines and let him come off the bench? And the reason I said that was because even though a lot of people point to, oh, just bring Jalen off the bench, just bring Tatum off the bench, just bring Hayward, which, I mean— that's all of that's ridiculous because to me, Jalen and uh, Tatum are both young guys trying to prove themselves in the league. And yes, maybe they have shown good professionalism and they have shown that like they're about the bigger picture, but they're still kids and they're still guys that need to prove themselves. And bringing them off the bench after the year like they just had isn't what you want to do like it could no, no matter who no matter what they say to the media those are still kids and i just don't trust that any of them would take that nicely and it's the same thing with gordon hayward who just missed a whole year now he's coming back he's arguably our most complete player on the team you're not going to tell him to come off the bench now you go to al horford because you we don't have to discuss curry because that's a different position altogether so now you go to al horford he's a big man he's 33 now getting older he probably won't mind the rest he already said he doesn't like playing the five so if you approached him and just said hey man like we're playing in b tonight like how about we just start Baines and we'll bring you in like after like the first six seven minutes after like the first stint, and then we just go 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 from there like i don't think he'd object like this is not something that he feels like he needs to prove himself in the league. The man has made over $150 million in this league. He's been to multiple all-star games. Um, he's a defensive player of the year candidate, all-NBA guy. Like, this is a guy who's proven in the league. So it's not like he feels like he has anything to prove. And at this stage, for him, it's just all about winning. So my whole thing was, okay, and like, if we're all about preserving him, like, why not? Why not try something out like that? And then from there, that's when, you know, people couldn't get past the headline in. Right. 
Yeah. It's more about minutes restriction than anything else. And that's I so that's why I kind of like the idea of it. I think in terms of saving guys on the team in terms of minutes, I do think Al Horford is the number one guy you think of in that capacity. Whether it's, you know, bringing him off the bench or limiting his minutes any anyway. cuz look, when it comes down to it, I, and I don't like I think in terms of like starting quote unquote, I think their starting lineup will change depending on the who the opponent is. Like I think they'll start different guys against different teams just because it gives them an advantage. That's that's one of the beautiful things about the way how the Celtics are set up. They have so many different guys that can throw at you in different lineups that give them different looks to combat different teams, which is the, which is excellent. But and like in, when it comes down to trying to limit the minutes of Al Horford, this is a way you can do it, and they're. And Brad is already starting to do this. He started doing it last year in terms of limiting minutes. The only player that was in the top 50 of minutes averaged per game was Kyrie Irving. He was the only guy that did that. And I think towards the end of the year, he probably wouldn't have played as much anyway just because they want to rest him, make sure he's ready to go for the playoffs. This is something that Greg Popovich was doing years ago. And I think Brad, in his conversations with Pop, has picked this up. Like, you need Look, Brad, like when it comes down to you need to rest guys, like don't worry about winning a ton of games in the regular season. Don't worry about winning 73 like the Warriors did. Like You want to make sure you're right for the playoffs and you don't get beat in the playoffs. And so I think Brad has that in mind. And I think this team is the best version that you could possibly have to try and limit Al's minutes. Like you mentioned bringing Baines off the bench. You can bring Tice off the bench to spell both Baines and Al Horford. Like we'll see what Robert Williams has as he progresses throughout the regular season. Obviously we're not going to have too high hopes for him because we haven't really seen him, but yet there's another body for them to do that with. They can even go small. They can even put like a guy like Marcus Morris in the five and survive for a while. Like I think the whole idea of bringing uh, Horford off the bench is a good one just in certain situations, just to give him a little breather, whatever. But the whole idea and premise behind the article is finding ways to limit Al and making sure he's fresh because at the end of the year, he's really important. And if he's not on the floor, this team does struggle a little bit in terms of, well, as much as it did last year because they have, you know, obviously they'll have, you know, Kyrie and Gordon back, but, you know, and hopefully back. But their spacing takes a hit when he's not on the floor. And I'm, and Baines having that three-pointer is big. But, I mean, I out of all the things that have come at you, like, I think people are just misinterpreting what your idea is. And I think if you explain it to them that way, they're all, everybody would be on board with that. I mean, I, I just I don't see how people don't see through that. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I, I, just, think, I just think the shock from just hearing Max Player coming off the bench is a lot and then of course you know with Celtics Nation and stuff like that we're we're in a constant battle between trying to uh people questioning Al Horford's status as an all-star as Are we a not star. past that now? I thought we got past that last year. I think I, we really I did. I don't know. I hope so because I mean you would think after the year Al Horford had like people would just know like at this stage it's understood but I guess when you just see a headline like that maybe it's just it brings back those memories like people are sleeping on him again which i mean if anyone knows me they, they know that's not the case at all yeah i think i think even lou merloni at one point last year admitted defeat and was like nah i think this al horford guy is pretty good and like i was like once we once lou changed his mind i think everybody was on board because he's a such like just the way he moves the ball for a guy that size like there's nobody else that really does what al does and it seemed like last year was a big year for Everybody get on the Al Horford tra- hype train because the, the people that criticize him aren't really watching the game. Like, the whole, he doesn't get 12 rebounds for his, like, that still bugs me to this day that people had that take because 
That's not really what he does, and it's not what they need him to do. They need him to move the ball offensively. The fact that he can switch almost one through five is incredible, and only a couple of guys can do that, like Rudy Gobert and you know Clint Capella. Like there are a few guys out there that can actually really truthfully do that better than Al Horford can. Uh, and again, you mentioned a defensive player of the year. Shoots 40% from three-point range. Yeah, I think he's either first or second in the league in terms of centers – in terms of assists per game, I think the only guy that had better him was Jokic, I think, out in Denver. But he just does so many things to them. He's their Swiss Army knife, and he really does make them go. Um, but, you know, when it comes down to limiting his minutes, I think you're, you hit the nail right in the head there. Do you think that the Celtics have, like, a, a problem with minutes? like, do you, Or is this just, like, one of these problems that's, like, first-world problems where we're all complaining about something that's not really going to be an issue? It's just finding, trying to figure out who fits the best on a certain given day, like maybe Morris needs to play more. Because I think that just the idea of having too much talent, I think, is a little ridiculous. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you think this team has too much talent, then what you're probably saying is that they're the best team in the NBA. And I don't think anyone is saying that they're better than the Warriors yet, even if you think they're there's some type of like even competition. So I do think that because of our coach and because of how we've seen him use rotations, it's it might not be as big of a problem. Like if we were being coached by Coach Tibbs, who will use like eight or nine people, then having, you know, 10 to 12 guys who can at, like actually play becomes an issue. But because Stevens is already a guy like we talked about, he puts a premium on resting guys, preserving guys throughout the other season, throwing a lot of bodies out on the court, mixing and matching a whole bunch of different lineups. I think from there and just the fact that there's so many games and you're not going to want you, – you'll probably have the option to not play um, some people every night. Like you might sit Al, just straight up sit him for, for a night or two. You might not let someone like Kyrie play every single back-to-back. Maybe Hayward, you give him a rest off his ankle a little bit. Like you do stuff like that throughout the year. And I think during the regular season at least, it could – I'll be good. And if guys are guys are getting minutes, guys are getting fluctuating roles, um, and you're winning at a high level, like that's gonna keep the chemistry at bay. Now in the playoffs, people might get a little frustrated when he's only playing his top eight, but at that stage, like no one's gonna say anything at that stage. Like the the the, the other part of this is like you are kind of banking on guys to be like professionals. Like these are all NBA players, they're all making millions of dollars. Um they're expected to show up and play and be used how the team is using them. So to a certain extent, it might come, it could possibly come down to just like, okay, you like, I know you're not in a role that you like, but you need to be a professional now. Cause this is just like our best chance of winning. And I just don't see anyone maybe outside of Marcus Morris who would potentially like cause a stir, but even on Marcus Morris's credit, like he's been on bad teams like Denver and Phoenix. And you don't hear much about him. Like, complaining over minutes complaining over roles complaining over shots and i think sometimes just his off the court activities kind of give him a worse reputation than he really is well that without his play style but overall like i just don't see it as like it being some like prevailing theme of the year like a lot of people seem to believe it is guys are gonna get time off guys are gonna get you know minutes restricted and that's a good thing and like you look at last year like i look at that west coast trip late in the year where they went to they played out in Portland and beat a Portland team with, like, a skeleton crew. And then they went to Utah and beat that team with a skeleton crew. Like, that was actually, I think, really valuable for a couple of guys. Like, it's, you know, Jalen Brown with the game-winning shot. Like, that was a big a big moment for him. I think Shemi Ojale, you know, picked up some confidence on that West Coast trip to the point where he's guarding Giannis in the playoffs. 
in doing about as good of a job as you could possibly do on Giannis if you're a second-round rookie, you know, who's built like Adonis, essentially. Right? You have these resting guys and giving other guys opportunity is only going to pay dividends for Boston in the long run because you never know. Like, the way Brad does it, and I love the phrase he uses. Simmons likes to claim he uses it, but I, I really i have heard more of this from Brad than from Bill Simmons. It's called Shake the Snow Globe. And every once in a while, Brad will throw out a, a funky lineup that doesn't make any sense just to just change the energy level of the team to get certain guys engaged again you know what i mean like and you'll see boston go on certain runs to the point where you're like holy crap i can't believe this worked he'll go to that remember the zone at the end of the year where they were they would stifle teams with zone like that game in utah where ricky rubio was like two of 14 couldn't hit a jump shot um, uh, the Utah Jazz couldn't score for like the last four minutes of the game because because Boston ran that two three zone and just changed things up. That diamond and one last year was something they used a lot out of, out of bounds plays at the end of the game. And of course, Rozier with the tip and the dunk at the end of the Indiana game to steal that one. Like those moments where you have guys like a Rozier or like a Brown or like whoever step up at the end of the game in the middle of the regular season only does good things for you later on when you ask them to do something much more important against a team like, you know, maybe Toronto in the playoffs or Philadelphia or, heaven forbid, Golden State in the NBA Finals. Like, you're going to need, especially to beat Golden State. And even if... Even if DeMarcus isn't healthy, right, you're going to need literally everybody to beat Golden State. They are, what, they've been to three of the past four NBA Finals. They've won three of the past four NBA Finals. They've gone to four straight. They have three of the best shooters of all time on it, plus, you know, a defensive unicorn, plus a guy at seven feet tall who shoots threes at a ridiculous clip. You know, they have all all this talent. You're going to need everybody on the team to be available, ready, and understand what their role is as soon as they head on the floor, as soon as playoff time comes. And your idea of, you know, resting Al and resting this guy here and resting this guy here is a good one. I think it's crazy that people gave you flack for it. Quick break from Alex to tell you today's show is brought to you by Nutrafol. Boys and girls, I understand hair loss can be a problem for some of you. And there are different factors in why you lose your hair. It's not just genetics, stress. DHT levels, diet, and environmental toxins can compromise your hair health. And with the amount of products in the market right now, it can be very confusing which product to pick. That's why you need to turn to Nutrafol. Nutrafol is not some magic pill. It's actually 100% drug-free. It's made of clinically tested, medical-grade botanical ingredients. Scientists and researchers have worked for years trying to find a way to improve hair from within. It's like a plant. You can feed it. You can water it all you want. But if the soil is bad, then the plant won't thrive. There are any bad side effects. No compromise to overall wellness. Sounds like a dream, right? Well, sign up today. Get your first month of your subscription for only $10 today by going to Nutrafol.com and using the promo code Celtics at checkout. That's N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code Celtics to get the first month of your subscription for only 10 bucks. Let's get back to Alex. Um, before we get out of here, Alex, you just got a new gig with what the step in or the step back. One of those two. Yeah. The step in. Yeah. So you're covering college now doing some draft stuff, right? Yeah. Um, have you had to dive into it at all? Have I? Um, yeah. So basically, uh, just to go over my role, the step in does kind of consider itself an NBA site, even though we mostly covered the draft. So, I mean, it's different. Uh, so my first piece came out last weekend. Mm-hmm. I actually started on Cam Reddish, 
mm-hmm. who I was, who I'm a little bit familiar with because he's from Norristown, PA, and if I live in PA, I've seen him a couple of times. So I, I wanted to start off with someone who like I knew, and then throughout from now until maybe like throughout the year, I'm just going to be doing basically profiles on prospects. So okay. this is a good year, especially for the Celtics who could have up to like four first round picks. Mm-hmm. Very big to you know get yourself familiar with the drafts. Uh, we have a lot of smart people on the site. A lot of people who go like very in depth with the stuff. Um, you have Cole Wicker, who's on every yeah, podcast ever. Exa- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know? So yeah, if you know him, you know Sam Bassini. Like they go deep, and I'm learning a lot as I as I you know travel through this new level of uh, basketball. Right. So the Cel- you mentioned the seeds, how they have four first round picks potentially coming their way in the draft, and the one obviously that everybody wants to talk about is the Kings pick. And could be as high as number two. Give me your favorite guy. Because I think we all know R.J. Barrett's going one at this point. It could change. Like, obviously, things happen. But if it goes, everybody thinks it's going to go. R.J. Barrett's going to go number one. And if that second pick, the Kings, comes in at number two, who's the guy, the early front runner for you as your favorite guy? Like, for me, I love Romeo Langford. Um, I, I have just a soft spot for guys like that. I just think he's really, really interesting as a wing player. But who, did you, who do you have in that like top-tier spot for number two? Yeah, so the pick is number two. Um, it's difficult because I think I have an opinion different from everyone. I think most people at this stage will tell you uh, Nazir Little, yeah. who's, a, who's a very good who's a very good UNC, one right? UNC, right? Yeah. Yep, UNC guy, very good. Personally, though, I would go with Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish is maybe my favorite prospect. And I would take him number one over R.J. Barrett. And really? that's that's an opinion you won't hear anywhere else. I, I completely understand. A lot of it comes from just, like, believing in him. Like, I think he's the best player in the draft, and I don't think we've ever seen him go 100% ever, Okay. period, like, on the court. But that's, but that's also kind of his biggest weakness. Will he ever, like, turn that switch on? And go because he's a six eight guy, seven one wingspan, can legitimately run a, run the point position. He can shoot off the catch or off the dribble. Can get to the rim. Can exp- can dunk through people. Um, he has the length theoretically to defend four positions, and it's just like he's kind of like the modern NBA wing that you want. And just the fact that being that big and being able to run an offense on your own already and be able to self-create, like, it's just a tantalizing uh, skill set to have. So I would take him at number two, but, you know, that's not the consensus just to, like, at all. Like, (laughs) I think a lot of people would be more uh, comfortable taking Nasir Little because he's a little bit more easier to project and he, he, there's no questions about his motor. The one thing that's that's hurting you, I think, in this argument is the whole because like because you're gonna have R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, and Zion Williamson all on Duke. So I think what because this has hurt Kentucky in the past, and I think it's gonna start hurting Duke a little bit here in terms of like overall high end talent and where they go in the draft. But like you're not gonna see like that's my problem with it when all these guys, all these five stars end up teaming up somewhere is like you don't get to totally see everything that everybody's capable of. Like we didn't know that Devin Booker could do what he's now capable of when he went to when he's at Kentucky. Now the new version like Jason Tatum is a version of this. Like Tatum was was hurt a little bit and didn't show us everything that he could do and then he gets to the Celtics and everybody's like, Holy shit, what what is what is going on here? This is unbelievable. Kevin Knox is the next version of this with the Knicks. Like, you know, no not a lot of people thought he would be where he is right until like a couple weeks up at the draft where everybody started loving Kevin Knox. Um, not a lot of people saw this coming 
I mean, it's only, again, summer league stuff, but he looked very impressive in summer league. I think the only thing – I mean, I like your reasoning. Don't get me wrong. I, I like where you're at, but I just have a problem with maybe being on a stacked Duke team where he doesn't get to totally show up. Like Wendell Carter is another version of this. Everybody talks about Marvin Bagley, right, where Wendell Carter comes out and looks like a just an absolute perfect fit for a lot of teams in the modern NBA. It looks like a, a five that you would want to have right now in the NBA, like maybe not as, you know, maybe not, maybe when you look back at it, maybe Bagley's the guy you didn't want and you wanted Carter and Carter should have gone too. You know what I'm, you know what I'm getting at? You see what I'm getting at here? Oh yeah, no, and you raise a very good point. Like college is not, it's, I, I say this jokingly, but like it's kind of true. It's a complete difference for from the NBA. It's very much coach oriented mm-hmm. and a lot of it comes down to like coaches just saying, okay, you're going to be this role. It's still very much like, you're the point guard, you're the shooting guard, you're our scorer, you're our rebounder, like that. And that does limit guys, like you said, like especially with Wendell, you saw with Tatum. And I think it, there's a real possibility that it could, because they have another uh, big-time recruit, Trey Jones, brother Tyus Jones, also on team as their as their star point guard, it's very possible that it's just like, you know, he's our point guard, RJ Bears our shooting guard, you're our wing. And, and they have him playing off-ball, and we don't see anything or very little of his lead guard potential. But what I will say with a guy like Cam Reddish is what I think most of us want to see that are uh, kind of high on him or are looking for him at the NBA prospect is just see how he competes. Like, is he playing hard defensively? Is he staying engaged in the game throughout? Because you because you already kind of know the skills are there. It's just about him showing that like he can commit to a system. And it, and I think it could help him in some ways because if you're committing that hard to a system where maybe you're, it's not being played the way you want to, it mm-hmm. shows NBA teams that, hey, you, do, you can try hard and you can try hard when things aren't going your way. So I think even if that does happen for Cam, it could still be an opportunity for him to uh, prove things to NBA scouts. That's Alex Kungu from Celtics Blog and newly of the Stepian. Alex, thanks for the time today, man. Appreciate it. Uh, can't we talk to you soon? Have a great rest of your summer, buddy, and we look forward to seeing what you put out on both websites, man, okay? Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. And that will do it of this episode of Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage. If you're Boston Celtics, Evan Valenti signing off. Adam Coffin back in next week. So make sure you stay tuned. Best way to stay tuned is to subscribe to this show. Again, on iTunes, on Stitcher, subscribe to the show. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review if you like. We love constructive feedback from you guys. Get your thoughts heard in that section. Maybe ask a question or two. We'll get to it on another episode of Celtic Speed. A couple of thank yous to hang out, hand out here. Nick Jelso, of course, our CEO of the company. My executive producer, Larry H. Russell. Of course, my man, Adam Kaufman, who had a well-deserved vacation coming back next week to talk to you guys. And I want to thank you guys. You guys are the greatest audience of all time. I love you guys so much. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. Thanks to Alex Kungu. We'll see you guys next week.